You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's good, everybody? This is episode 11 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. And with me, as always, Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. What's up, Brandon? Stats, glad to be here with you, as always. And, you know, we put out a call last week for reviews, you know, Apple Podcasts, five stars, obviously, leave a rating and review both things important and stats. I'm so glad to see you're the star this week. Apparently, uh, this is from Czar Star, who actually has a little star in the iTunes name there. She says she loves all the SB Nation podcasts, but especially the Oddcast and the Look Ahead. And those are definitely her two favorites that she looks the most forward to each week. She's a diehard Chiefs fan. So she feels a little bad for saying it. That's clearly some shade there at the Monday Football Monday podcast, which has Arrowhead Pride's Pete Sweeney on there. So that's great news for us stats. Uh, but she says by by far, you are her favorite. So uh, big thanks here to Megan. Uh, she specifically loves how you explain things. And you quote him from a couple of weeks back. Uh, this just in, seven is more than three. Field goals are failures. So uh, really love the dedicated listening not just, you know, glossing over a really specific reference in there. That's a really good iTunes review by Megan. Yes, thank you, Megan. We appreciate the love. I am very good at telling you which numbers are bigger than other numbers. But the thing I like most, like you mentioned, BLG, anytime you can throw shade at another SB Nation NFL show that we're not a part of, we support that wholeheartedly. So that is a double whammy. Thank you, Megan. Okay. We always start our show with Monday Night Football Reaction. And... I, as you know, Brandon, have been saying bad things about the Bears for many, many weeks. And I, so far, look like a genius because they have not been playing very well. They're 5-5 five and five now after starting out 5-1 and one on the year. They lose to the Vikings 19-13 to 13 on Monday Night Football. It was a pathetic showing. But I don't want to say a bunch of mean things about the Bears without giving the Bears and their fans a chance to respond. So... We welcome in Lester Wilfong of Windy City Gridiron. Lester, I've been saying a bunch of mean things about the Bears. Are you going to tell me I'm crazy or I'm right? Uh, you are absolutely right. This this Bears offense has been an abomination uh, for a couple of years now. And it doesn't matter who the play callers, Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, Bill Walsh. It really doesn't matter. If the offensive line can't block, you know, there's really nothing for the quarterback to do. And I mean, we're talking Nick Foles is not – he's not a franchise guy. He's He's just a – He's a guy. I mean, he's okay, but he needs a lot to go right for him to have success, and he's not getting it with the Bears. Uh, yeah, so what do we do? Where do we go here? Where do we <laughs> go from here? Um, <laughs> Foles is now 2-5 and five as a starter. Um, he's hurt. Apparently, the injury isn't, like, season-ending uh, for what we know about it so far. Uh, we'll see about that as details continue to come in. Um, 
in the short term, like, do the Bears turn back to Mitch Trubisky? Does it matter? Like, what, what is what is the point of the rest of the season? There, there's six games to go. I'm looking at the schedule here. Like, like, what are you feeling like for the rest of this season? You know, you know, this is what sucks as a Bears fan because the Bears defense is is pretty damn good, and and and, and the Bears had a really bad quarterback play last year, and they went eight and eight. You know, so I see another eight and eight type season again happening this year. So that means no top draft pick, no top quarterback. You know, they're stuck in quarterback hell for another season. You know, I'm not sure if they're if if, if they're going to trade up again. I mean, at, at this point, it looks like that's probably their only option. But at this point, you know, do you go back to Trubisky? I mean, he's bad in his own way. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's like I said, you know, with him and Nick Foles, you know, and then, of course, uh, uh, the great Tyler Bray that a lot of Bears fans are calling for, you know. I mean, there is not a a competent quarterback on the roster. They all have their, their own warts. I mean, 149 mm. total yards <laughs> yesterday in a game, in the entire game. How do you look that inept on offense? You know, the worst thing is, is the Vikings aren't that good of a defense. If the Vikings are really banged up. I mean, they have, I think they're missing the, uh, four cornerbacks. You know, it's not like, the, the you know, the, they're missing Daniel Hunter. You know, they had some issues. They're, they're missing Anthony Barr. You know, this Viking defense, you know, they're, they're well coached, obviously, with Mike Zimmer. But it's not the same Viking defense we've seen in years past. And this offense couldn't do anything against them. And, and that's been the, the, the case, you know, the, the, the last few weeks. You know, the, the Titans were banged up. You know, the, the, they've been playing teams that have issues of their own and the bears can't take advantage. And that all comes down. It's again, it's all the offense, offensive line. They just can't get it done right now. And it's like I said, it's, it doesn't matter who the play caller is. They just can't get any rhythm in that offense. So I'm a big picture guy here. Lester, at least I like to think so. So, so we're looking at the the state of the bears here, like beyond this season, like, what do we do? You kind of mentioned how they're stuck in quarterback hell. Uh, I think they they can't even really like get out of Nick Foles' deal like so easily after this year. I'm not mistaken, but like you look at what they have here. I mean, Matt Nagy has had time, and yeah. Ryan Pace has had way too much time. He's yeah. picked Mike Lennon. He's picked. He traded up for Mitchell Trubisky, as we all know, a disaster. And then you know now we picked Nick Foles over other options that were available to the Bears in free agency. A lot of people, you know, pointed out Cam Newton. You know, uh, so is it just fire everyone at this point? I mean, it's pretty damn close to that point right now. I mean, the Bears, like I said, they started five and one. You know, it's it's the wheels are falling off of the whole season. So, again, I think with the defense, are going to be just good enough to be decent, and I think that's going to save everyone's job. And it's unfortunate because I think at this point with Ryan Pace, you know, like we're talking about the Bears. The Bears don't like to fire guys unless they absolutely have to. And if if the locker room is going to still be a, a pr- pretty good towards towards Nagy you know it's, it's not a, a Mark Trestman like implosion you know they're not going to make a move I just don't I mean if it happens I, th- I think that's the best thing for the long term of the franchise because it shows that uh, right, right now Ryan Pace is not the guy I mean he missed on a quarterback if it, let, let's be fair though if he would have hit the quarterback a lot of the other problems he has would be masked but the fact that he missed on a quarterback I mean that 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 kills the entire franchise and then and then with with Matt Nagy you know he just isn't able to get anything going because he doesn't have his guy in place. You know, the, the truly great coaches can adapt. Matt Nagy hadn't shown that ability to adapt yet. I mean, yes, he, 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 he stopped as the play caller this last week, but it's worse now. Like you said, the offense was, was atrocious last night. I mean, the, the, I looked at the stats, you know, the bears had less yards last night than the jets have had in, in, in all their games this year. The, even the jets offense has been better than what the bears did last night. So it's rough. 
That wow, that is bad. When you when you're worse than the Jets, you know there are issues. Um, okay, so let's say that for the sake of argument, the Bears do decide to make a move, and you are a high profile, or let's say I am a high profile head coach. Sell me on the Bears job. Man, I mean, right now, I mean, if if, if you're talking with if, if Pace is still in charge, I, I think it, the Bears have to get rid of Pace as well. If, if you're going to let Nagy go, you got to get rid of Pace. I just don't see the point of keeping them both in. I think you have to bring in a whole new regime. You know, a lot of Bears fans are are, are tired of the, the the Ted Phillips era, who's who's the team president. You know, I'm not sure how much he has to do with, with football operations, but but he's been there for 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 decades and the bears have been bad under his watch. So I think at some point you've just got to clean house the entire organization. You got to bring in a, a legitimate football mind to come in and just kind of oversee the whole thing. You know, a lot of bears fans are going to offer a guy like Peyton Manning. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the direction to go, but you got to get someone in here that that understands football at its core, understands this modern era of football cuz I mean in, in in the year of 2020 the bears have built a defensive minded team that's ridiculous you know everything is set up in, in the league for the offenses to flourish and here are the bears trying to play 1980s football it's just ridiculous at this point you have to have someone that comes in that understands what's happening in the league right now and build this team from the ground up it's frustrating that the bears are in the spot lester uh you deserve better bears fans deserve yes. better i think <laughs> i think it's the worst spot to be in. i really do like you know like i think fans on the surface think like being terrible is the worst thing like being like the jets right now this season is the worst thing that's not the worst thing because you at least have that hope you know of getting that top pick of maybe yeah. landing that quarterback maybe things change around so i and i totally get it as, as you know someone who covers the eagles it's a similar not exactly similar but like a, a situation where it kind of just feels like the team is stuck and the, the organization isn't being as honest as they should be uh, but again i feel bad and i feel like chicago fans deserve better chicago great city stats have you ever been to chicago stats i have been to chicago for less than 24 hours i went there for work when i was at espn uh, i did get to walk on wrigley field which is like a highlight of my life but i can't say i've spent extensive time there but i did like it when i was there i love the food there you get the deep dish pizza you got the the hot dog you know the uh the chicago dog some the of, hot uh, dog Portillo's. everybody has a hot dog that's uh, a little different in chicago how is it different? It's it's better stats. It's it's a nice crisp snap of, of, of the wiener when you bite into it. It's just the, the toppings. It's just everything about it. Plus you have the, the, the Polish sausage, the Italian beefs. You know everything about Chicago food is 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 money. What what kind of toppings? Like ketchup and mustard? Oh, stop it! Oh, ketchup. Yo, ketchup. The first ketchup. thing he says is ketchup. Come on, Seth. Sport peppers, celery salt, relish, onions. I mean, it's just you know pretty much everything except for the ketchup. But again, it all comes down to the uh, to, to, to the actual hot dog. It's it's the it's the snap of the of the beef there. Okay. Trust me. I, that sounds like a regular hot dog to me. But all right, wow. if you say it's no Oscar Mayerwiener, my friend. Okay, well that that's go. a low bar. Like, <laughs> congratulations, you're better than Oscar Mayer. That guy's inventing meat. Yeah, just just it's just one of the things that you have to you have to try it. You have to try it firsthand, and you'll understand. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's my next mission. The Bears there. need to find a quarterback, and I need to eat a hot dog. <laughs> you might success first. <laughs> Lester Wilfong, thank you very much <laughs> from Windy City Gridiron. We appreciate the time this morning. Anytime, fellas. Have a good one. Okay, so that's the Bears side of things, BLG. But let's give the Vikings a little love here because I know Kirk Cousins wants a little love. He's like, hey, I broke the streak. I'm one on Monday Night Football now. That dragon has been slayed. Congratulations, Kirk Cousins. 
one and nine now on Monday Night Football. <laughs> a, uh, an amazing record in primetime. Look, stats, I've never been a big Kirk Cousins guy. I feel like I was kind of out ahead of people on the anti-Cousins uh, platform. And obviously, you know, him being in the NFCs before had something to do with that. But I felt like people were like, oh, actually, Kirk Cousins is good. And I was like, well, I mean, he's a starter, but like, he doesn't win big games. And now I feel like it's a very like uh, hot take sports guy thing to say, like flies in the face of evidence or something. But I mean, not always. Sometimes that's just apparent. And I think that's been true with Cousins. And I still very much am skeptical about the Vikings long term outlook this season. I mean, what? They're only four and five as well. Uh, but look, I mean, I thought the Vikings were kind of better than they started when they started one and five. Like I thought they were a little bit better than that record indicated. And sure enough, you know, they've won three games here, they're four and five. They're not totally dead in the NFC playoff picture. You know, they still work cut out for them. Um, but, but they're around here. And uh, of course, naturally too. I love how Kirk Cousins' biggest win comes with no fans in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> the Vikings are to me are like the NFC Browns. For the Browns to be successful, I mean, we've seen it now this season. Nick Chubb has to be there, and they have to give him the ball a ton. I think it's the same thing with the Vikings. Feed Dalvin Cook. Everything orbits around Dalvin Cook. You get the run game going. Kirk Cousins is at his best when he can use play action. They still have Thielen. Cousins does a good job of using the tight ends in the red zone. That's, to me, their formula for winning. As long as they embrace that, I think Zimmer is a good enough head coach, and he can coach up that defense enough to give them a chance to win games. Let's also show some love to Justin Jefferson, who, you know, if you take quarterbacks out of the picture, which you can't, but let's just say you did, he's one of your top candidates for rookie of the year. I mean, he is now over 100 yards receiving in four out of his nine games. Like, kind of good. You know, for a receiver class in the 2020 NFL draft that was said to be stocked, you know, at the position, um, you know, he was taken at, uh, what was it, 22? Uh, it was behind the Eagles there. A lot of There's a lot of thought the Eagles would take Justin Jefferson. You know everyone's taking after the Eagles pick. It's, it's relevant. And, well, here's here's why it's especially relevant stats. And I don't think people know about this. There's actually a video, and I can send this to you, um, of the Vikings. I don't know where this is from. I just saw it floating around on Twitter at one point where the Vikings are kind of like it's, it's their draft room, and it's obviously virtual. So it's Zimmer. And it's Spielman and a couple other people from their their staff. And as soon as the Eagles select Jalen Rager, they're like, like their faces like light up and they're like, get the pick in, get the pick in. And like <laughs> they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe Justin Jefferson was still available at that point. And they were like, get it, get him. And uh, sure enough, uh, he's looking pretty good. Yeah, when you get arguably the best guy in a position group that is stacked like the wide receivers were this year. I think you get extra credit. Rick Spielman deserves a little extra love for snagging Justin Jefferson. And you know, the, the conventional wisdom was that it takes wide receivers a long time to adjust to the pro game. It's one of the slowest positions to really develop. Well, that ain't the case this year. We've seen a lot of good rookie wide receivers. And like you said, Jefferson may be the best of the bunch. And they really needed that because when they sent Diggs to Buffalo, there really wasn't a compliment for Adam Thielen there. And he seems to have stepped up and filled that role for sure. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, too, he only turned 21 in June. Like, so he was 20 years old when he was drafted. Like, this kid's only getting better. He's PFF's second-rated overall receiver, only behind Devontae Adams. Like, this kid is special. The route running is great. Just reliable hands. He's, he's a dog. Like, he just is. Like, he's just – he's a dog. 
Um, yeah, they, they got a great one with him. And then obviously pairing, being able to pair Justin Jefferson, you know, with a Dalvin Cook and still having Adam feel in there. You know, there's some pieces here where, again, I'm not the biggest Cousins believer, but they have enough here where, like, their season isn't dead yet. Maybe they can kind of find a way to, to, to crawl back and get a wild card spot. Good for the Vikings. I like Mike Zimmer. I think he's a good coach. Remember he had all that those eye surgeries too. The guy's been through a ton. Like let's let's get Mike Zimmer some wins here, and hopefully for Vikings fans, Minnesota can do that. All right, BLG. Let's get to your Week Eleven, one hundred percent totally accurate power rankings. That's why you listen to the show. It's the only show out there that has 100% accurate power rankings, and we're very lucky and grateful for those. So thank you, BLG. Let me run through the top 10 like we usually do. Pittsburgh at number one. They're undefeated. No shocker there. Kansas City at two. New Orleans, three. Green Bay, four. Miami. The Miami Dolphins are the fifth best team in football. Number six is Tampa Bay. The Cardinals are number seven. The Bills are at eight. The Ravens dropped to nine, down from four last week. And rounding out the top 10, the Los Angeles Rams. And I don't know, where do you want to start, BLG? Uh, let's start with the Saints because it's weird. Like, I have them at three, but do I really like feel amazing about them right now? I mean, they're seven and two. They've won six straight, but Drew Brees is going to miss some time here. And sometime? Sometime, quote unquote. Uh, with broken ribs and a, a collapsed lung, like that's not great. And not only for the short term, which I actually think the Saints can be okay because you look up their next three games, it's uh, versus the Falcons at the Broncos and then uh, or it's then Atlanta again. So uh, I guess they're going to ride with Jameis Winston here. And I think, you know, you, you should be able to get through those games and like, you know, at least win one of them. If not, maybe all three. I mean, you know, the Breeze or the Saints obviously did fine with, without Breeze last year when Teddy Bridgewater uh, took over the mantle there. So I wonder, I just, my worry though, isn't about like these next couple games and the Saints staying afloat in that regard as much as like, how much does this impact Drew Breeze the rest of the season? Yeah, like people just say, oh, he's got fractured ribs and a punctured lung. He'll be back. I think I even saw one estimate, like two to three weeks. Are you nuts? If you were in a car accident and you had broken ribs and a punctured lung, would you be back to work in two weeks? And does your job involve people trying to smash you into the ground? Like, that is insane. We just poo-poo that like it's not a big deal. It's a massive deal. There's a hole in one of his organs. Like... I I can't believe people are just glossing over this. And for the Saints, I'm sorry. I'm not as positive as you are. Jameis Winston is a liability. He can get the other team back in the game on any play. As a 49ers fan, they had nothing going on in that game. And then I saw Jameis Winston trot out begin the second half, and I was like, holy crap, we could win this one because he's going to give us a ball. And he did. And stupid Jimmy Ward dropped it. But the opportunity was right there. Teddy Bridgewater at least didn't turn the ball over last year when he was in for the Saints. Jameis Winston is going to turn it over, and that could really derail this season for New Orleans. Yeah, especially if he has to play for an extended period of time. Then I agree with you at that point. I'm not I'm not in on Jameis. I've never been a Jameis guy, for the record, but I'm especially not in, in, in on him on the long term. Again, if I can get you at least like one or two wins in the stretch here, because, I mean, these games are just winnable to me. Atlanta twice and Denver. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, I'm concerned about the Saints' long-term outlook. Um, the Dolphins' stats, they're top five now in my power rankings. Number five overall. I had them 10 last week. I had to move up to five, and why not? 
mean, we've already spent a lot of time talking about this team, but they've won five in a row. They're ranked fifth in point differential. Uh, you know, they switch. They make the right call from, from Fitzpatrick to Tua. You know, Tua has them 3-0. and They're a legitimate threat to win the AFC East, especially with Buffalo losing. They also have a top six pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Again, they're just like in the, the most enviable spot to be in. Yes, you nailed it. When you make the correct long-term decision for your franchise and it also starts paying off in the short term, that is the sweet spot as a franchise and as a fan. Like this is one of the best times to be a Dolphins fan ever, right? You have a really good defense. You have a really good coach. You have a quarterback who outside of his first start really looks like an absolute playmaker for your team. And like you said, they're set up with the draft picks. It's never been better to be a Miami Dolphin fan short of when they were winning Super Bowls in the 70s. Like this is it for you right now. This is your new golden era. And I think it's their division to lose. I think there'd be a threat in the AFC in general because I think Brian Flores can scheme up problems for anybody. I mean, they looked great last week. And when I first saw you had them at five, I was like, that seems too high. But the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, man, I, I kind of agree with you. Stats, they're six and three. And as we kind of talked about last week, they have this like easy stretch coming up. They have the Broncos up next. It's in Denver. Then they play the Jets. <laughs> then they play the Bengals. So I mean, maybe they don't win all three, but they do. They have a chance to be nine and three here. Like this is This is a really good team. And yeah, I think they're. I mean, they're at least going to make a wild card spot. I, I would think at this point. And and yeah, they're. You know, look, the Bills are seven and three at the top of that division. Dolphins, I mean, six and three. And obviously, the Dolphins lost to Buffalo earlier this year. But hey, they have Tua starting now. Maybe things go differently this time. And you know what else too? Like their games are fun now, just because yes. of Tua. Like every game, anytime they're on, it's like, yeah, I'll watch the Dolphins. Like. He looks good out there. He's a lot more uh, elusive than I realized. I mean, I can't say I watched a ton of him in college, but like, I'm surprised that he's as elusive as he is. And I think part of it is too. I think the fact that he's a lefty is kind of throwing people off a little bit. That we haven't seen that in the league in years. A left-handed starting quarterback. I think that's a little bit part of it too. One last thing on the Dolphin stats is that I want to give them a ton of credit for taking a step back. Like, so many people were ripping them last year. Oh, they're tanking. They're way too bad. You can't build a team this way. No, this is exactly how you reset after years of irrelevance. The Dolphins were – who cared? Who cared about the Dolphins for the longest period of time? No one, because they're, what was the reason to care? They were just an irrelevant, middling, at best franchise, but they actually had a long-term vision to be like, hey, we need to take a step back to kind of take two steps forward. And I just think you look at an organization like the Bears, kind of like we talked about earlier, or we're kind of like where the Eagles are right now, or a bunch of other teams. And I, I just don't think they have that foresight. Like they, it's all kind of just about trying to to build this thing step by step, and it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes you have to reset, and the Dolphins did that to their credit, and they're in a much better spot now. I think it's so crazy to me, like how teams won't do that. I know that's kind of more of like an NBA mentality. You know, I think the the process Sixers doing that's kind of like that, and obviously the Browns kind of tried their own version of that, and it's taken more time. I'll think, you know, there's more meddling in there, and there are issues. But the Dolphins, they had this vision, they stuck to it. And now they are reaping the rewards and it's deserved. It's deserved. And I think they're going to be a free agent destination too. I mean, who doesn't like to go down and live in Miami? There's no income tax in Florida, right? Like things are kind of lining up for Miami a little bit. 
So congratulations, Dolphins fan. Enjoy it. Soak it in. I don't know how long it's going to last because windows close quickly in the NFL, but it's here now. So enjoy it. Now, BLG, I want to get to a team that I feel like is headed in the opposite direction, and that's number nine on your power rankings, the Baltimore Ravens. What is going on with this team? Their offense doesn't look the same. Lamar Jackson's going on the Rich Eisen show and saying the defense knows the plays and they're calling him out. Like, what's going on in Baltimore? That, like, bothers me when I hear that because that happens every year. I feel like I, I see that so often. More, more, like, it's not like this, oh, my gosh, like, it's this shocking thing. That happens at least, like, once per season. There's one player, one team, it's like the other team knows our plays. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they're going to know the plays, but you have to execute. And the, the Baltimore Ravens offense doesn't look right. The Ravens are now four and three in their last seven games. Lamar Jackson has an 85.9 passer rating in that span. Now, obviously, he can do things with his legs, too, and that doesn't get factored into the passer rating. But, I mean, the team just doesn't look right. And we've kind of been saying that all year. I think even as recently as, as last week, it's like the team keeps winning, and they're good. They're not a bad team, but they're not an actually, like, very good team or elite team. And, uh, you know, look, they lost to a Patriots squad that almost lost to the Jets the other week. So really bad loss for them. And it really ends any chances they had of winning the AFC North, which I don't think they're going to do anyway. But, you know, if they could have, it's kind of done now. And uh, they're in a bad way. It's kind of, I think, a story of how things change fast in the NFL. You just said it stats with windows and everything. I mean, last year, Ravens are on top of the league. Lamar's MVP. Uh, everyone was kind of shocked when they didn't lose any members of their coaching staff. It was like, how did no one poach the, the Baltimore Ravens coaches when, you know, they did a great job last year and uh, not as good this year, at least on offense. And, you know, and I'm wondering, and maybe this is my bias here creeping in as a Niners guy, but I saw the 49ers offense with Greg Roman. When he started with Colin Kaepernick, they really caught the league off guard. He was doing a lot of creative things, especially in the run game. And the 49ers were able to move the ball and have success. But I feel like there's diminishing returns with him. I, I, I don't know if he doesn't evolve or what it is, but it seems like every year the defenses were sort of catching up and slowing that offense down. Then he goes to Baltimore. Lamar Jackson is annihilating people. He wins the MVP. And this year what we've seen is that offense has not looked as dynamic. And I don't know if it's Roman. I don't know if it's the, the lack of real, to me, threatening pieces around Lamar Jackson. But clearly that offense is not as potent as it was last year. And the Ravens have to do something because, like you said, they're kind of in a fight now in the AFC. I think the Roman point is astute in part because I remember how he used to be like the hot coaching name back at the time with the 49ers. And everyone's like, oh, you got to hire Greg Roman. And then like kind of just went and faded out of the picture. And then it's funny because he resurfaced last year, you know, the success of the Ravens. And it's like, oh. Maybe he actually was good all along, you know, and maybe someone should hire him again. But again, it didn't happen. And I think there's I think we're kind of finding out why. Why teams are a little bit more slow than we expected uh, to be so so to covet Greg Roman so much. So I think that's a very fair point. Do you think that like Lamar and, you know, can adjust and return to some level of what we saw last year? Or do you think that Lamar had a really good year? And look, we've seen Cam Newton won an MVP, and he's had struggles since then. Do you think that this is kind of the Lamar Jackson that we're going to see going forward? Yeah, it's a fair question. Um, I was kind of wondering, I think if we go back to the episode one of the podcast here, I was kind of like wondering, uh, I was like, you know, we know Lamar is going to regress to some extent. Like we know that's coming. He's not going to be as good as he was last year, but the question was how much, to what extent. 
And unfortunately for Baltimore, I think it's a little bit more even than I might have expected here. And I'm no means out on him, you know, and I think he can be better than he is this year moving forward. But I think the Ravens have a lot of work to do in terms of giving him more help. And, uh, yeah, so I I don't think he's going to be – I think what we saw last year, you know, was kind of like not exactly the same, but another Eagles comparison, like Carson Wentz's, you know, almost MVP season. Like that's that's the height. And I don't know that he's really ever going to get back to that as much as he's still just going to be kind of a good player. A couple more teams I want to get to. You mentioned the Eagles, so let's go there. I, <sighs> I, don't, I don't know what to say. Like you lost to the Giants, mm-hmm. a team that you have owned in recent yeah. what is it it's been like four years since the eagles had lost to the giants 2016 and, yeah yeah the, the one thing you have to watch out for if you're the eagles is daniel jones running the ball and sure enough i'm sitting there watching red zone and all of a sudden i hear scott hansen say oh let's go check out the eagles and the giants and there's daniel jones running 40 yards shredding the eagles defense in for a touchdown what happened uh it's just pathetic stats i mean the eagles come out of their bye week and it's like, all right, you know, a chance to turn things around for the second half against a team, again, that they have historically owned. Now, full disclosure here, I did not expect good things. I picked the Eagles to lose that game to the Giants. Uh, I went on your co-host from the look ahead, uh, you know, Ed Valentine's, his, his Big Blue View podcast, and I, and I said that. I made that prediction well known. But, uh, yeah, so they come out here. They come out flat. They allow the Giants to score two straight touchdowns to open the game. They're down 14 to three. Mind you, this is a Giants offense that ranks second to last in the NFL in offensive points per game with 17.2. So a very bad offense, easily carving through Jim Schwartz's defense. It's great to see. And then uh, offensively, I mean, look, uh, I think the Giants have done some nice things on defense this year. But it's not like a great defense. And specifically, stats on third down, the Eagles went 0 for 9. Again, I'm going to say that again. Oh, for nine on third down when NFL offense has never been easier and the Giants have the 26th ranked third down defense. Like that is horrible. It's inexcusable. I think the coaching staff has done a poor job here. Doug Peterson, you know, obviously deserving a lot of blame at the top. The past couple of games have not been good for him. But I'm like, look, there's a whole thing going on in Philly, Philly stats where people are kind of like, oh, it's all Doug's fault. And that kind of washed this Carson Wentz's hands clean. No. No, that is not that should not be the case. I don't think Carson Wentz was the biggest reason they lost to the Giants, but he certainly contributed to an offense that only scored 17 points and didn't convert a single third down. So there's issues here across the board. It comes to the quarterback, it comes to the coaching staff, the front office has done an under like in terms of national attention, kind of flying under the radar how bad the front office has been, Howie Roseman. Uh so there's just issues here across the board. And Doug Peterson getting a little salty with the media. I mean, he did an interview. I think he said the phrase pissed off like six times in like a 30-second span. He's getting a little salty because I think he's feeling the criticism. It's crazy to me that, I mean, we we mentioned it, the windows and how things move. I mean, Doug Peterson was a god in the city of Philadelphia. When he wins the Super Bowl, like Doug Peterson could do no wrong. He's walking on water. And now I feel like he's public enemy number one, and it's like, it wasn't that long ago that you won the Super Bowl. Now we're running this guy out of town. It's a uh, it's a fickle deal. That's it's <laughs> like I again I don't want to wash Doug's 
hands clean of blame either. But I, I just think there's there's a lot here, and it's not just him. I think the head coach is easily you know the first person to point to when things go wrong because they're you know they're they're talking to the media. They're the face there. You don't see the GM talking, so he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. But but the issues go beyond Doug Peterson, and it's to the point stats where I want to introduce a new segment here on the Oddcast. Uh, the pit of misery. I'm banishing the Eagles to the pit of misery because I reached the point on Sunday where I tweeted out something to the effect of like the Eagles don't even deserve people's outrage at that at this point because it's predictable how bad they're going to be and it's pathetic and it's to a point where like I don't think Carson Wentz or Howie Roseman or Doug Peterson maybe Doug Peterson from those three but I don't think any of them are really going to be gone next year so it's like what are we going to do like another year of this like it's just spinning their wheels it's you know the exact opposite of like what the Dolphins or another team with a longer team vision is doing. Uh, I, I just think they're kind of stuck, kind of like we talked about with the Bears were earlier in the show. So I'm banishing them to the pit of misery. You're right. You know, there's a difference. The worst thing for a fan base to be is not angry because anger means passion and you care enough to be mad. The worst thing for a fan base to be is apathetic. And so that's it. You are banishing the Eagles to the pit of misery with the fire and the heat and the gnashing of teeth. And that is fine. I totally support that. As long as I get to make a contribution to the pit of misery as well. Let's do it. It's clear to me. It's Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is banished to the pit of misery. He keeps taking the ball away from Russell Wilson. It has reached levels. I don't understand. Russell was like the MVP front runner. And now he's a disaster. And the Seahawks are kind of scuffling a little bit. And it's because Pete Carroll just won't let Russ cook, BLG. We had a whole offseason, and then we had a whole manifestation of this premise earlier in the year, and it was working out pretty well. But now the Seahawks are 1-3 and three in their last four games. Russell Wilson has 10 turnovers in that span. So I think that's actually kind of a positive for Seattle. Like, There's no way he's going to continue to turn the ball over that high of a rate. I mean, he's too good for that. But it's pretty disappointing. I mean, the Seahawks have lost their NFC West lead. You know, the Cardinals are at the top now especially because they have that head-to-head tiebreaker. So, yeah, I mean, the Seahawks, this is pretty disappointing. I have them – I dropped them out from five where I had them last week to out of the top ten now to 11 overall because they are not trending in a good way. And let me just set the scene, okay? It's fourth and inches. They're on their own 42-yard line. Seattle is trailing 17-13. And what do they do, BLG? Do they, do they give the ball to Russ and let him do a QB sneak or put him in the shotgun, let him run around? No. What do they do? They punt. The Rams get the ball, they go 88 yards down the field, and they score a touchdown. And if that's not bad enough, after the game, Pete Carroll said, quote, that early in the game when there's so much going on and so many opportunities, I don't want to give them the ball at the 40-yard line. That's a turnover. That's like handing them an interception if you don't make it. Why do coaches always start this explanation with, if we don't make it? I don't get it. That that's illogical to me. What if you do make it, Pete? Mm-hmm. What if you do make it? Then what happens? Like, explain the logic to me of instead of trying to gain an inch with our offense, which already has the ball, we're going to punt, hope our defense stops them, then hope we get the ball back, and then hope we drive all the way down the field and score. Like, how does that make any sense? Just gain an inch. I think you just said it there in terms of like, 
what if you do get it? Like that's never the equation in risk. Like risk, there's there's two sides to risk. There's like risk, it doesn't work out, but then there's risk, it does work out, and something really good can happen, and that needs to be considered. Uh, what is it? Stats with these NFC West coaches and them being total cowards. Like it's it's a it's a I don't I don't want to say pandemic. It's a it's an epidemic in the NFC West. West, not West. West. I don't get it either. They're all like that. Kyle Shanahan is like that. Pete Carroll's the worst, I will say. At least Kyle Shanahan does go for it occasionally. And he Kyle doesn't have the quarterback that Pete has. But, like, these coaches are so conditioned to avoid failure, I feel like, and avoid criticism rather than trying to achieve success that I feel like that's always how they look at it. What if we don't get it? What if we don't get it? What if we don't get it? Which is completely backwards. I mean, you have... The best quarterback in the league, arguably, he's top two to me, is clearly the strength of your team. I mean, Pete, I don't know if Pete Carroll's aware, his defense sucks. Ass. It's historically bad. Why would you say we're going to punt and, and lean on them to stop a team as opposed to just give the ball to Russell Wilson, the best player on the field? How does he not see this? It's irresponsible. Russell Wilson, I, I said it earlier in the year, like it doesn't matter if you get him going right. And I think he can get back to that level. I don't want to give up on the Seahawks here. I think he will bounce back and, and they will figure this out a little bit. But right now, I mean, it's pretty disappointing to be in this, this slump. Um, can I get to the Rams real quick stats? Yeah, sure. We'll do the Rams and then we'll take a break. Uh, the Rams, you know, look, best defense in the NFL right now. You could argue. I mean, they've allowed just 16.4 points per game. Fewest in the NFL, that's offensive points, by the way, uh, and they're going to at least be a wild card team, like, right? And they could also potentially win the division still. I mean, the Rams, it's funny because, you know, we always think of them as this you know, offensive juggernaut with Sean McVay, but, I mean, that defense is really good. And I think, like, Brandon Staley, if you're looking for a head coach, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of hiring defensive-minded head coaches. I skew towards the offense. But, I mean, with, with what Brandon Staley has done, with this defense because you know for as much as they have like star talent in the form of Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey like it's not just about those guys like they're playing well across the board it's a very well coached defense yeah and I give them credit because when they moved on from Wade Phillips I was a little nervous like Wade Phillips is a really good defensive coordinator but the Rams made the move and clearly it's paying off for them Sean McVay seems to have sort of exercised whatever demons were floating around him last year. That offense seems to be rolling again a little bit. And yeah, I agree. The Rams are clearly a threat. They could easily win the NFC West. I have no idea what's going to happen in that division. I mean, as good as the Rams look, they also got worked by the 49ers. So like, it's it's clearly a crazy division. But I, I kind of say right now, I think I put the Rams, I think it's their division to lose. That's interesting because the Cardinals are at the top right now, officially, you know. Uh, and obviously, though, kind of kind of winning in a last-minute Hail Mary, so not not the most, like, dominant, convincing win. But I, I think that was a deserved win for Cardinals, though, to be clear, because, I mean, they made that trade for DeAndre Hopkins. It was a very smart move. So they kind of earned that win. Did you see – I'm sure you've seen that Avengers meme going around where, did we do this? Yes. What did it cost? And Thanos says everything. Well, it was going around about DeAndre Hopkins, and she says, what does it cost? And Thanos was like, nothing. Yeah. I broke <laughs> That's pretty much it. Like, they got Johnson. DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of balls. Yeah, kind of a bad move for the Texans, by the way, who uh, are now, what, like two and eight here, or two and seven, and they don't have, they're, they're two and seven, they don't have their uh, top six pick. Yeah. 
Yikes. The bizarro dolphin. Everything is going wrong for the Texans. There's no, I mean, I don't know what their head coach is going to be. I don't know what their GMs. I mean, Jack Easterby is their GM. Bill Belichick signed records saying he's not a personnel guy. So like that's, that's concerning. I mean, they have their graphics are gone. Like I oh, stock down on the Texans for sure. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do our survivor picks and we'll do our oddities from week 10 as well after the break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, BLG, now it's time for our survivor picks, and then we'll do the Week 10 oddities And congratulations to us because we both were right on the mark in week 10. You had the Vikings over the Bears. Well done, sir. I had the Saints over the 49ers. And despite the Saints' best efforts, the 49ers managed to make me a winner. So I give you the first pick for week 11. Where are you going? I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns, who are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, who we banished earlier. So, uh, yeah, you know, Eagles look terrible. The Browns haven't looked amazing, um, but uh, they're in the, the, play, the hunt for a playoff spot here at six and three. I'm very concerned about Baker Mayfield after he said the real G's move in silence like the Zombie clip. I feel like I can't ever potentially pick the Browns to win again after I like right after I watch that. So uh, kind of a, a risky pick for me in that regard, in that sense, but not in the sense of the Eagles are really bad. And the Browns are fighting here. And look, that AFC playoff picture is competitive. Like, it's not – I mean, the Browns are by no means a lock to just get in here. I mean, you look at all these other teams vying for, you know, uh, a wild card. The Raiders are – or the, the, yeah, the Raiders are 6-3 and three as a wild card. They're the number five seed right now. The Dolphins are 6-3. and three. The, uh, the Ravens are 6-3. and three. The Browns are 6-3. and three. The Titans are 6-3. and three. And then you have the Patriots still kind of alive there, sneaking – they're hanging on at four and five. So the Browns really need this win. Uh, and I think they're going to get it. I think uh, it's kind of like a an interesting spot because, you know, they were the team that passed on Carson Wentz. And a lot of people, myself included, used to give them a lot of crap about that in the past. But this can kind of be a nice opportunity for them to, to beat that guy who everyone kind of made fun of them for passing on once upon a time in the 2016 NFL draft. So I think the Browns get the win uh, and they move to seven and three. Yeah, when you're in that sort of scrum that like they are in the AFC that you just described, the two ways that you make the playoffs are you win some games that maybe you should lose, and you absolutely have to, have to take care of business against teams that you are favored to beat. You have to do it. And there's no excuse for the Browns to lose to the Eagles would be devastating. You've got Nick Chubb back. You know your game plan. You know how you have to win. 
go get it done and prove that you're worthy of a playoff spot in the AFC. I'm going to stay in that conference. And I, you know me, I like to live a little bit dangerously. And I'm going bold here because I'm going with the six and three Raiders to sweep the season series with the Chiefs and get a win over Patrick Mahomes and company again. I know it's risky. I know the Chiefs are really good. The Chiefs are coming off a bye, and Andy Reid is really, really freaking good after a bye. But I don't know. There's just something about this Raiders team. You know, sometimes some people just have your number. Like, it, it's weird. It's not really explainable, but it just happens that way. And I'm wondering if this year, with what John Gruden has cooking on offense, if maybe the Raiders just have the Chiefs number, I know it's dangerous. I know it's crazy, but I'll go Vegas over Kansas City. That's risky. I like it, though. Uh, I have the Raiders 12th in my power rankings. You know, they have three straight wins, but, like, if they can beat KC twice in one season, I mean, that's that's a big, you know, bonus there in John Gruden's favor. And really, at that point, I mean, if you drop the Chiefs to 8-2 and two, and you're the Raiders and you, you, you boost yourselves up to 7-3, and three, and then you have that, you know, head-to-head tiebreaker because you beat the Chiefs twice. I mean, all of a sudden – not impossible. They could win the AFC West. I, I'm not counting on that by any means, but I mean, they at least enter the conversation of doing that at that point. So yeah, this is like a huge opportunity for the Raiders here to prove like they're not just a wildcard team. Like they're actually good, good, not just kind of like decent or, or solid. Uh, so I like it. We'll see. Yeah. If the Raiders beat the Chiefs, how far would they jump in your power rankings for next week? That's a good question. I mean, they're they're so they're twelve right now again. So they're at least top ten at that point. And obviously, it kind of depends what the rest of the teams do. If all the other teams ahead of them win, then it, that that limits some things. Um, but probably, I mean, you're looking at like eight, seven there. Ooh, okay. So, so you got that going for you, Raiders. Come on, make the jump. <laughs> make me look smart. I'll probably look like a complete idiot next week, but that's okay. All right. Before we go, we always like to give you the oddities of the week. Um, let's start with Green Bay and Jacksonville. Miles Jack makes a tackle on a running back and he's sort of hovering on top of the running back. So a Packers lineman comes over and just gives him a little shove like, hey, get off my guy. And Miles Jack proceeds to flop around on the ground like he's a European soccer player. It was the flop of all flops. I don't know how this started in the NFL, BLG, but it's sad and pathetic. Yeah, I mean, this is like the least floppy league you would think of right i mean like this isn't like first of all you're wearing like more protective gear than like any other sport so it's not like you know you're just like an nba player where it's just like you're just wearing cloth uh and and even then obviously very egregious and and at least soccer players like they're like running really fast so like and there's like spikes involved there's spikes involved in football too but anyway they're like running really fast and sometimes like spikes come into their legs so it's still egregious it's still not great uh, but this is this is just what is this? Like, what, how does he watch this back? You know, I feel like more than any other sport too, more than like soccer or basketball, it's all about the film. Like people watch film more than, than ever in football. And I feel like his teammates or or his coaches are going to be like, you know, dude, what are you doing here? Yeah. You got to watch that back in front of a room full of grown men and uh, it's not going to be pretty for you. Okay. Let's get to this Texans Browns game because there's some weird stuff that happened in it. At one point, the Texans passed up a 48-yard field goal that would have tied the game to do a quick punt. Why? Why? Just kick? Why not? I guess because it was windy in this game, to be fair. Um, I guess that that played a factor here. But is that the first time that's ever been done? That can't be the first time it's ever been done. The announcer in the game said, why risk a field goal? And I just shouted at the television, 
to tie the game. <laughs> he ripped the field goal to tie the score. Like, that seems kind of obvious to me. I, okay, but the Texans doing Texan things. Uh, also in that game, and this is maybe my favorite oddity of the entire year, at one point there was a graphic on the screen. You know how they have down and distance? It said the Browns were on zero and four, <laughs> which is just perfect because even on zero down, Cleveland still had four yards to go. Uh, I would I would take his earth down. That'd be nice, you know, a little extra down in there. Do you remember like fifth down uh, in Washington years ago? Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that game. I was wonder why how people can lose track of the downs like Brady did earlier this year. There's a huge sign on the sideline that has the number, and there's only four of them. You don't even have to keep count. You just look over to the sideline, and there it is. But okay, it happens. And then the one thing from the Browns game too that I am not with the public on. So Nick Chubb breaks a 59-yard run at the end of the game, and he goes out of bounds. And everyone's sort of praising him for being so heads up and going out of bounds. But it would have if he scored a touchdown, it would have made it a 10-point game anyway with less than a minute to play. Like, he didn't need to go out of bounds at all. So I, I didn't think that was such a heads-up play like everybody was saying. Um, I'm okay with it. I know uh, I, maybe this is just me growing up on the, you know, Brian Westbrook doing this against the Cowboys. I think RJ mentioned that when either Monday football Monday or recently when we had him on anyway. Uh, so I've seen this before in action live and, uh, and I'm fine with it. Uh, I think underrated thing is it kind of maybe earns some, you know, a little bit of credit from your teammates. Cause it's like, they don't have to go out there and risk getting hurt for an extra player, you know, especially the kickoff coverage or whatever. What if the uh, Texans run it back for a touchdown, you know, just like eliminate the chance of something weird, happy or, or fluky going on. Uh, just you know, run out the clock, take a knee and uh, end the game. If you had Browns minus four, you were pissed. Well, I did. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't love that part, but uh, I, I respect the move. I don't just score the damn touchdown. What are we overthinking the room here? Just score. You're going to go up 10. Like, uh, I don't know. Okay. Congratulations. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the off day debrief. I am Rob stats Guerrero. He is Brandon Lee Gowden. We thank you so much for all your reviews and your ratings. Please subscribe. If you haven't done so already, tell your friends about the awesome NFL podcast that you listen to BLG. Anything else to add before we go? Check us out on Twitter. I'm at Brandon Gowden. Stats is at Stats on Fire. Tweet at us, both of us, and use the hashtag OddSquad, and uh, we'll tweet back to you. So go do that. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. 
dev teams, you get a zero setup, developer first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.